people get excited about the I do's and the I wills when it's wedding time. It's a beautiful thing to dream about the blissful day with the one you love. But too often we are not taking the time to consider the reality of the day-to-day living or securing our future. It is absolutely necessary to consider life after the honeymoon. I am Dr. Sabrina Ellis, and welcome to Wife Life, Securing Your Future. Welcome back to the Wife Life, Securing Your Future podcast, part of the D-Free Podcast Network. Joining us again is Jane Flaherty. If you missed the last episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it before you press play on this one. Before we dive into our questions, I would like to introduce our guest. Jane is an experienced estate planning and probate attorney who has been helping individuals and families for 32 years. Throughout her career, She has served as an ethics and grievance law clerk for the Cleveland Bar Association and law clerk at Cuyahoga County Probate Court. Jane also served as vice president of trust administration for Key Bank and National City Bank. In 2015, she opened her own practice in Ohio. One of her favorite things to do is teach people how to take control of their lives right now by reviewing the titles of their assets. Jane has been married for 29 years. She has two grown children, a son in North Carolina and a daughter in Chicago. I am so excited to welcome Jane back to this podcast. Thank you, Jane, for joining us once again. Thank you, Dr. Sabrina. I really enjoyed our time last time. It was very informative and even exciting (laughs) in lieu of the fact that we are not necessarily talking about happy things. It's still, it's really good conversation. In the last episode, we discussed estate planning and the probate process. In this episode, we'd like to talk about planning for the uncertain future. I'd like um, uh, what you wrote on your website. It's a quote that says, planning ahead to know you and your family will be taken care of in the event of illness, incapacity, or death is an incredible gift, which takes a great deal of forethought. Life is uncertain. Control what you can. And let me help you plan for what you cannot control. My question to you to get started with this podcast is what can someone do today to ensure that they um, are taken care of if they become incapacitated or ill? That's a good question. And first, thank you, Dr. Sabrina, for having me on here on the D-Free Network, uh, podcast network. It was really nice to hear someone else read something from my website. (laughs) It's funny because I do say 
and we all know this, life is uncertain. And our prior podcast set taught you how to control what you can control. And this podcast is going to be about planning for what you can't control. So I love how you set that up and how my sort of tagline works in there perfectly. <laughs> so um, helping you plan for what you can't control, that's illness and disability, right? We can't control if that's going to hit us. And so how do you set that up? In our prior podcast, we talked about having a written document to make sure not only the person you want to help you or get your assets does it, but you also make sure the people you don't want getting involved in your life don't get involved in your life. So how you insure it, each state is different. In Ohio, we have something called advanced directives, which have in them a living will and a healthcare power. In all, all federally, I use something else called a HIPAA waiver. It's a federal statute, which means it applies to all 50 states. And that's about the legal authority for a doctor, hospital, or insurance company to answer private medical information to someone that's not you. So um, to take care of this today, the first thing is talk to a friend and, of course, miss Google. Go right to Google. Find it on your state for healthcare powers. They use words like directives, advanced directives, healthcare powers, and certain states have um, organ donation as a separate issue. So raise, Google any issue you have, and your state will probably come up with a packet that they use. That's helpful. That's very helpful. Can you describe what a healthcare power of attorney is? Sure. So when I put my binder together for my estate planning clients with these documents, I put in little letters underneath what it actually does. Because who cares what, what paperwork you have if you don't know how to use it. So a healthcare power is a power that is only valid when you can't make a decision for yourself. And so when you're well and competent, you think through. God forbid I'm in a car accident yesterday and I can't make any decisions. Who do I want to make these decisions for me? Who knows what I um, believe and what I want and how I want to be taken care of? And those are the people that you empower in this document to make these medical decisions for you only when you're not able to do it yourself. Does that... Um... Can that be more than one person? Yes. Okay. How do, I mean, if you're, if you're, I know you have to rely on them being in agreement. So how does that work? Well, in Ohio and uh, in the last podcast, you learned that I clerked for the probate judges. And believe me, my probate judges do not like two people uh, in charge anywhere. And I promise you, no doctor or nurse wants two people fighting over an answer. So in the Ohio healthcare power, I ask for a nice deep bench for everything. I want a deep bench. I want one, two, and three people. Because as an example, what if God forbid you're in the car with you and two of the people? You still need that third person to make those decisions on there. And that will avoid you going to probate court to get a guardian named who can make those decisions for you. 
So you want a deep bench. So you name person A, person B, person C. Me, for example, I have my spouse, then my daughter and my son on there. God forbid we're all in an accident together. We're going to probate court and getting a guardianship. But I think at that point, I may not care uh, on there. But um, so you have a deep bench. Okay. Okay. The next question I would ask is for you to explain a living will. All of these names of um, uh, documents kind of get a little confusing. Um, mm -hmm. So what is a living will mm -hmm. and how is it different from a healthcare power of attorney? So a living will is so, in my opinion, poorly named. It's confusing. I have clients call saying, I want a living will. But what they mean is they want a last will and testament. So these words are just, in Ohio, at least that's what they're called. And so the concept behind a living will, if you use that word, it's a will that's valid while you're living. And so what it means is, what I say to my clients is, that's the pull the plug document. So if many of you are young enough, old enough to know the Terry Schiavo case, where a spouse did not want the, wanted to pull the plug on their uh, wife who had been, um, she's brain damaged and um, basically a vegetable, no, ho no hope. And there were battles for years. She was, ended up on Medicaid, caused lots of people to go bankrupt. And I just, I feel so bad for her because she was the center of this court argument that ended up being national because no one had the authority to do what she might've wanted. So a living will is you deciding while you're well and competent what you would want to happen to you if two doctors state that you're either in a permanently unconscious state or terminally ill and you're not going to recover. And many of my clients say, oh, pull, pull all those plugs. I do not want to be like that. And some clients say, uh, well, wait, if it's a terminal illness, wait X months to see if there's a cure. Um, and when clients are like that, I, I talk to them too about finances so that their survivors don't go bankrupt if they stay like that in Ohio. So a living will, whatever it's called in your state, lets you decide what you want happening. And what it does is in, empower your agent to do what you want. So if you have a nosy brother who thinks he knows everything coming in and saying, nope, I know I talked to her and this is what she said. But your agent knows you have this. This gives your agent the legal power to do it. Awesome. Wow. So, well, so people that are listening may be wanting to know um, how do they ensure that they have this this information or these documents, um, one for themselves or for their children, how do they go about um, getting this done? Mm -hmm. So um, many times you want an attorney to do them. In the, and you want them, in my opinion, this is totally my opinion, to use the state forms if there is a state form 
I can do a real pretty healthcare power living will for my clients. But when they go into that hospital, the nurses and the doctors are going to say, what is this? It'll have to go up to the legal department to make sure it's valid and that the hospital is covered before you can even make a decision. So I use in Ohio, I use the Ohio forms. They're clunky. They're a little inelegant, but they're the number one thing recognized uh, by the nurses and the doctors. So if someone wants to do this today, in Ohio at least, many hospitals have these forms at the intake desk and you can do it that way and fill it out. In Ohio, they either need to be notarized or have two witnesses. And the witnesses cannot be the agents that you named. So please know that. Do not have that uh, done that way. So you asked when they should be filled out. Yesterday is my answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everything's yesterday. Um, so when we get these documents, these legal documents, um, that you've already said that they should be notarized. So um, that's part of making it legal, um, having the proper signatures and whatnot. Um, then where do we store these? Where do we keep them? So I'm a real nudge with my clients and on my invoice, I have at the bottom things for them to do. And what I have them do is scan those documents and email them to their agents. And when I say agents, I mean the spouse, the child, the sibling, the friend that you named. Because if something happens to you, that person that you trust is not running home to find your forms. But they'll have them on their phone. And then in Ohio, at least in Northeast Ohio, where we are, we have two hospitals, major hospitals that have um, online things for patients. And so Cleveland Clinic, for instance, has my chart. Well, I ask them to upload those documents to my chart. Then the hospital can access them and see that they have them or follow my health or whatever system you have. For children, we didn't talk about this, but if you're many, many families have grandparents taking care of children, grandchildren, or some families have nannies. Well, they don't have any legal authority to take care of those minor children. So that's a separate HIPAA waiver and healthcare power I do for my clients. And then I ask them to give it to that pediatrician, you know, so that you can make sure that that grandparent, that mother or sibling who's taking care of the kids or nanny has the authority to take, make a healthcare decision if the parent is not around. Okay. Okay. Um, Jane, can you help us to understand the difference between financial and medical power of attorney? Oh, that's a great question. So powers of attorney, people throw those words around and uh, it is really confusing. So if you think about a power of attorney, when we were all younger, there were many different kinds. Like I could give you, Dr. Sabrina, I can give you a power of attorney so that you can just sell my car. So it's only valid for selling my car. I can give you a power of attorney that allows you to make healthcare decisions for me. I can give you a power of attorney for any aspect. But with the forms we were talking about, now that the world is so different with healthcare powers, there's a separate healthcare power just for healthcare decisions. There's a separate power just for 
the um, pull the plug end of life decisions. And there's a separate power for finances. There could be a separate power just for real estate. So when you see power of attorney, you got to read it. You got to figure out what's that power for. So a financial power, all, all of these powers are only valid while you're alive. The moment you die, you are no longer somebody's financial power holder. You don't have that power. It's gone when they're gone. So a financial power allows another person to do anything you could do with your finances. And it's and think through finances. It's so strange because that includes signing your tax return, taking out a loan, waiving dower interests if you're in a state where there's dower interests, starting a business, ending a business, giving a loan, taking a loan, mortgaging a house, paying bills. That's a financial power. Totally separate. A medical power doesn't allow that. So those two people together, these two documents in Ohio are the two things that keep you out of guardianship. The financial power enables someone to pay your medical bills and the healthcare power enables someone to take care of you. Excellent. Wow. A lot of information um, related to this future or in advance, I should say, advanced planning, mm -hmm. advanced planning. Um, is there anything else that, that men and women need to know when it comes to estate planning? It sounds like, I mean, even with the wealth of information that you've given us, it sounds like there's so much more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what else can you tell us about estate planning or the probate process or ensuring that things are in order in case um, uh, a family member or individual becomes incapacitated or, or very ill? Is there anything else um, that we need to know that has not already been mentioned? How long is this podcast supposed to be? <laughs> Give so, us one main thing. I know. <laughs> well, there's actually a couple things I want to touch on. One is sometimes people don't want to talk about this. Uh, they don't think, especially if they're uh, someone between the ages of 18 and 40, they think they're immortal and nothing will ever happen to them. So it's a tough thing. So if and you can do it on your own. You don't have to do it with a spouse. You're allowed to take care of yourself in every single way you want to take care of yourself. So you can get your own healthcare power and make sure you've named the right people for that, even if your spouse won't do it. So know that. Then know when you share it with your agents, let's say it's your spouse or your siblings or your adult children, say to them, I've named you as my healthcare agent. Who did you name as your healthcare agent? They may not have any healthcare power at all, but hopefully it gets them started thinking about it and they'll do that. Many clients come to me and, and I can explain these healthcare powers more when you think about an elderly parent. So think if, if you can't have this conversation with your spouse or your siblings, talk about your parent who's elderly or who passed and you had trouble. But the elderly parent, somebody has to take care of them. And you don't want 
the probate court over watching your guardianship. You don't want to have to report to them for everything. And so get those healthcare powers for your parents on it. Because if you're in the sandwich generation, you're already exhausted. You don't need to add that on top of it. So I, I would add that too. And then this should not be last because it's probably not Jerry. In Ohio, when you do your living will and they pull the plug and if you don't survive, then you can choose about organ donations. And I have clients who um, say, just take everything if somebody needs it and bury what's left. And I have others that are saying, I'm not donating one thing. Well, this is the place where you can show what your uh, preferences are when you're competent and well. And that's something somebody might want to think about, especially if they've had a, um, a relative who's had any kind of a transplant. It's a topic that comes up and you might be interested in, in uh, discussing. Thank you so much, Jane. This has been excellent, a wealth of information, and we appreciate you so much for the knowledge and information that you have shared with us today. I know it will impact the lives of many. And to those of you who are listening at home or in your car, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you, your time, and your attention. Thank you for listening to the Wife Life Podcast. This is Dr. Sabrina Ellis. Have a great day, everyone.